0: Hi everyone, I'm Rachel, and I am an alcoholic. Oh, I'm so happy to be here tonight. Um, I haven't been in this meeting in a really long time, and um, I was really nervous to come back here actually. But I guess that's the thing about alcoholics anonymous. Like, even if you like start going to different meetings and like different groups of people, like you come back, you know, and like it's like you never left, you know. And so I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, I want to start off by saying uh, welcome. We have a lot of newcomers. I know the majority of you are in treatment right now. And um, I hope that you can hear something, if not from me, from someone after the meeting or in a different meeting that you guys are going to um, that can resonate with you and um, can help you build upon a a foundation of long-term recovery. Um, and then uh, congratulations to all of the chip takers. Like, you know, it's so easy when people are when we're handing out chips. Like, you know, 30 days, 60 days, and they, everyone just kind of talks and like doesn't really pay attention. But like, I was like really noticing tonight. Like, th- like 90 da- Victoria, right? 90 days. Valerie, sorry, V. I knew the V. Valerie, 90 days. And like, you got that 90 day chip, and I was like, oh my god, that's such a long time. Like, I remember what it's like to get 90 days sober and. You know, it was like I had, it was like I had arrived, you know, and so I'm super stoked for all of you, Um, and then uh, happy birthday to my dear friend Nathan, Um, I'm really proud of you too, and uh, I'm glad I could be here to share your birthday with you. Um, So like I said, I'm Rachel, and I for sure am an alcoholic, but when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I did not know that. And um, I am one of those people that basically caught the disease of alcoholism while in these rooms. And um, I like to talk about, you know, that part of my story because not everybody, I guess, I, know, uh, I guess like nowadays most people come in here with a drug problem. They don't really think they have an alcohol problem either. Um, and I am going to talk about that tonight. And um, because that's my story. And uh, if I don't, if I, if I don't, um, I'd be lying to you. So. Um, I got sober at the ripe age of 22 years old. Um, My sobriety date is February 22nd, 2009. And um, so, yeah, I'm like 10 and a half years sober or something like that. Um, You know, when I got here, so like I said, when I got here, I wasn't an alcoholic. I was like a drug addict that just like sort of drank every now and then. At least that's what I told myself. Um, I actually made a decision a very long, long time ago before I got sober that I wasn't going to be an alcoholic. So like that means I'm not, I'm not one. You know, like I made a, I made a decision to not be an alcoholic. Um, basically because I grew up with alcoholism very rampant in my family, and I watched my, my mom, I watched my dad. Um, my dad was in and out of jail, DUIs, I never saw him. Uh, my mom and my dad divorced when I was like two, so like I didn't really know him that well. And I remember as I got older, I was like maybe five or six years old, my mom was starting to let me see my father. Um, I guess he was like trying to sober up. And um, he had one of the, uh, what are they called? The breathalyzer in the car, you know, so it, you have to like blow into it to start it, whatever. Um, and I got home from like a weekend trip with my dad and I came home and I was like, oh my God, mom. Me and dad played this really cool game. I got to blow in this thing in his car. And, like, us for real, I didn't get to see my dad for, like, another four years after that. And I was like, um, you know, so, like, that's my that's where I come from. That's where I come from. And, man, you know, my family were moonshiners. So, like, I, you know, I'd go and visit my family in the country. That's what we called it, the country. And, um, you know, like, you wake up for breakfast in the morning and you got moonshine jam on your toast and like that's just normal you know you know four five six years old I have moonshine jelly on my toast and and um alcohol is is normal and that's that's what I grew up as right and um but because I saw all of this uh the dark side of alcoholism I saw the physical abuse the abandonment the tears um all of the things that kind of come with you know, alcoholism in a family home as a kid, um, I decided that I was just going to do drugs instead. And so thus became a drug addict. And um, I want to talk about that because when I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I had a sponsor, thank goodness, that told me to read the doctor's opinion and um, basically find myself in that chapter. And um, I had to read it a couple times because you know I really didn't understand most of it. Um, but thank God I was able to resonate with with pieces of this book that gave me just a little bit of hope that I could live a different life um, and I could start to identify because gosh, you know, qualification and identification in this program is so important. Um, I'm not a fan of like logs per se, but like I want to know. Like, if you're, if I'm up here at, like, a podium talking to you, like, especially with a bunch of newcomers in here, like, you guys need to believe that, like, I have recovered from, you know, a state of, like, hopelessness. And, um, like, you need to, you need to believe that somehow, you know? So, like, I think it's important for us to identify and qualify, and thankfully I had a sponsor that taught me that very early on. And um, I also had a sponsor that had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, Um, And therefore, so did I. And if anybody in here is looking for a sponsor, my suggestion to you is before you guys start that sponsorship relationship is to make sure that they have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. And if they have not, you find a new sponsor. Because the purpose of our program is to find a power greater than ourselves, just greater than me. right? I'm not even talking about God yet. Just greater than me you know that can that can help me recover and um so um you know I come from I'm I also want to say that I'm not an alcoholic because of my circumstances like my environment how I grew up like that's not what made me an alcoholic um you know alcohol and drugs for me was was very much um a solution for a very long time uh, to those circumstances uh, because I had no effective coping skills whatsoever, I had like no people that I could rely on. I was alone for the majority of my childhood. Um, you know, my mom, uh, my mom, w- my mom, bless her heart, she worked so hard. Um, she was a widow um, at 29 years old. Uh, she had gotten remarried, and um, I grew up with this man. Um, he was my dad. You know, I called him dad because my dad was somewhere else, and. Um, you know, uh, he—I have his last name. He actually adopted me, and I have his last name. And um, uh, they had my little brother. Um, and so he passed away when my brother was two, when I was seven. My mom was a widow with two kids, 29 years old. And um, you know, I—I—I I, I was that little kid like that grew up in daycare basically, and you know, I was the last kid to be picked up, like, leaning against the window, like, ma. you know, I'm so dramatic, like, that was me as a kid, um, my mom used to always call me Chicken Little, because, like, literally everything the sky was falling, everything was dramatic, everything, like, it was the biggest deal, and quite frankly, like, I'm still like that today, um, I feel like I've, you know, through 10 years of sobriety, it's kind of gone down maybe, like, just a few notches, and I still have a lot of work to do on that, but It's just kind of me. It just kind of makes me, me, I guess, very dramatic sometimes. Um, I uh, so uh, I also want to talk about, and this is, um, for a lot of the women in here, in this room, we have a lot of newcomer women, a lot of women. Period. Um, again, I am not an alcoholic because of my circumstances. However, um. I started to use alcohol as a way to cope when I was 17 years old. Before, it was fun, right? We talk about how it it starts off as fun, and then it's fun with problems, and then it's just problems, and all that stuff. And it became a problem when I was 17. And um, I was sexually assaulted at a Halloween party, actually, which is probably why I hate Halloween so much. Um, I was sexually assaulted by my boyfriend at the time's best friend. It was a huge ordeal. Um, I I filed charges. Um, I didn't want to. I was like bullied into it by my by my mom. Um, I was very scared, right? Um, I um, filed charges, and nothing nothing came from it because I was drunk, Um, and I was not able to prove that I did not consent to this interaction with this this boy and. Let me tell you, like talk about resentment. I got here. I had no idea how much I resented our judicial system. I had no idea how much I, I resented um, my 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 mother because of that. Um, I, I didn't go to school for two months after that happened um, because I was you know bullied. I was called a liar. I was called a, a, a I want to keep it tame, but I was it was horrible was the worst experience and after that happened I started going to a uh, psychiatrist and I started like like looking up all of like these different drugs that I could take to like just make me feel better and one of them was Xanax and so I found a way to tell my psychiatrist all of the symptoms that was listed for what like Xanax is prescribed for and like she prescribed me Xanax. It was like magic. And um and then on top of that, you know, drinking and whatever else I could find, I can find. Um, that's that's what happened. I have been sober for twice as long as I was drinking and using. That's kind of weird and crazy. And sometimes it's easy for me to be like, Am I really an alcoholic? Like I've been sober this long. This is like it must not be a big deal. But then like I come into rooms like this and I'm like, Yep, I belong here. Um. I also like I. I also want to say too, like I jump around a lot in my story because I honestly don't remember a lot of it. Like I love what Patty Ochoa used to always say, like if I knew I'd have to tell my story so much, I would have I would have paid like better attention, because I really like a lot of my life is just one big blackout, and so I try my best to like piece things together. I guess like some of the core things, um, basically how I got here. Um, so, um. I also want to talk about how um, Alcoholics Anonymous for me was the last, the last stop. Uh, before I got here, I knew that I knew there was like something wrong. I knew that there was, I knew that I was not normal. Um, I was, um, I was uh, arrested several times for like assault and battery, um, things like that, like on my uh, boyfriend at the time, and um, like I was just, a, I was a hot mess. You know, like, I, I had no respect for other people, like, your physical space, um, anything like that, and so, and I made it known, you know, like, I was that girl, like, chasing her boyfriend down the street with, like, a, like a butcher knife. Like, <laughs> that's what I did, you know, and I mean, that's, like, I'm not like that today. I, okay, so I'm not like that <laughs> most of the time today, um, but, you know, like, I, you know, like my mom, I used to, you know, at one point, like I, my mom kicked me out of the house, I had nowhere to go, I had, my boyfriend had a restraining order, I couldn't go back to, you know, the house that I actually owned at the time, and, um, that's a whole other story, and, um, you know, and so I show up to my mom's house, and she's like, I, she's like, won't let me in, right, and I'm like, I have these, like, credit cards, and so I just start, like, trying to, like, break in, and then my mom's on the other side, just, like, pulling them through the door, so, like, I can't. Right when I'm about to get it, she, like, snags it. And then I turn around, there's this cop car coming down my mom's driveway. They're like, Rachel. And I'm like, fuck. So I have to, I, like, try to, like, bucket it around the side of my mom's house. There's, like, a garage. And the next thing I know, I'm just, like, smacked up against my mother's garage. And I start wailing everywhere, you know. It's like, I'm Chicken Little again. The sky is falling, and I start. I'm the victim here. I am the victim here. I'm like, you don't know what you're doing. I and what happens is I turn to Jello. Like the whole like fight or flight thing. I just freeze. I turn to Jello, and so I made them work to arrest me. You know, there was like hogtied and like one on my legs, one on my arms, and they're like carrying me up my mom's steep, you know, driveway and like trying to get me in this cop car and I just, and they get me in the cop car and I turn into this angel. I talk to them about their family and their dog and like all the things because I don't I don't want them to like actually book me. like And, and, it, and it worked every time. Every time I ended up in a hospital bed, like, I mean obviously I was like cuffed to a hospital bed but at least I didn't have to go to jail, you know. You pick. Uh, anyway, okay, so before, uh, right before I got sober, again, like I was saying, I knew there was something wrong with me. I was not normal. Um, I had a complete abnormal reaction to life, which later I found out is also how I react to alcohol and other substances um, is abnormally. And so I, like, I tried everything that I could. Like, I did go to treatment one other time. It was like this super fancy place in Knoxville, Tennessee. I, all I did the entire time was like lay in a hammock. It was the best 30 days of my life. Um, but like I had, I had no, I had no idea like what to do, and so I started going to church. Um, I uh, was raised somewhat uh, Southern Baptist, which um, so I learned very early on that I was going to hell no matter what I did, and everything was like fire and brimstone and like whatever. Um, and uh, so I started going to church, but I started going to this like more like non-denominational church, and everyone was like. Oh, you know, and I was like, okay, well, I could probably get along with this. Um, and so I got baptized. And um, it didn't work, so I went back the next week and got baptized again. And then I got baptized another two times after that. It's like God wasn't watching, I'm like you know, like something's not right. And so maybe it was the water they used. Maybe I wasn't underneath for as long as I should have. I don't know. So I just kept doing it. I, again, like I was just searching for something to make me better, right? I had no idea that what was going to make me better was internal. I had no idea the entire time that I was seeking something, what I was seeking was actually inside me the entire time. And I am literally my worst enemy. Like everything that blocks me from what we call the sunlight of the spirit is within me. That's why this work is so introspective. Like that. that's why this work is like, a daily re- reprieve. Like, I have to constantly work on myself to be a better person, just a better human being than I was yesterday. And it's so, you know, small things. Like, I don't lie today. Like, can I wake up and make a commitment to myself not to lie to myself or another human being? And honestly, some days it's hard. You know, just these little white lies that we, like, tell throughout the day. Um, you know, can I wake up and make a commitment to, like, not snap at my boyfriend? Because he leaves a dryer door open, you know? Uh, can I, like, wake up and make a commitment to, I don't know, just, like, be kind to a stranger? Like, I I was at, I got a, I got a massage earlier today, and I was all peaceful and, like, oh, you know? And then I, I, I leave, and I get on the Crown Valley, and I'm, like, cussing people out. And I'm, like, God, people don't know how to drive. Like, I have... A, like my serenity has a very short shelf life sometimes, <laughs> you know, and I have to work on that. Like, I have to work on that. Like, it, not, like, this stuff, like, you don't just get physically sober and then your life changes, right? When I get physically sober, I am miserable. Like, that's why I'm an alcoholic and that's why I am a, a drug addict because I'm a miserable human without those things so I get physically sober. That's the first step, right? I get physically sober and then I have to learn how to stay sober, staying sober. I I can get sober many, many, many times, but staying sober is always the hardest part. Um, I, you know, I had, when I, when I got here, I, so obviously in the last 10 years, a lot of life has happened, right? Like I've, I've moved to a different state, I've come back to California, my family's in Virginia, first of all, I guess I should say that, I came out here um, for treatment, and I just never left, and then I ended up moving to New Mexico, came back to California, I've gotten several jobs, went to school, graduated school, went back to school, graduated again, Um, you know, I've gotten in relationships, gotten out of relationships, I've had many sponsors, I've worked the steps many times, Um, I have, you know, bought a new car, I've gotten a house, I've, you know. Life has happened. Like, life has happened in my life. And um, uh, learning how to deal, like, and being an adult, like, learning how to adult. Right? Like, I was was 22 when I got here. I had no idea how to, like, go on, like, an interview and, like, really be a professional human person in, like, the world. Um, I had women, like, taking care of me, uh, going to the bank with me, like, like, to, like, you know, open up, like, a real bank account. Um, putting my, my resume together teaching me how to walk in heels although I still can't walk in heels but like I can do it enough you know to where I don't look like a hooker most of the time <laughs> And, you know, like, I just, I I found myself with older women who were serious about their recovery that literally taught me how to live. And I did not have the experience that, like, Nathan did where, like, you know, he didn't have someone that, you know, loved him until he could love himself. He had some guy, like, basically, like, whip him into shape. Thank God I did not have that experience because I probably would be dead. You know, and that's what I love about this program is that, like, what works for you might not work for, like, the type of sponsorship that works for me might not work for you. Like, today, I don't need that more loving and nurturing sponsor anymore, Um, but I did when I got sober, you know? Um, I needed to trust you first, and once I was able to trust you, I was willing to listen to anything you said. You know, I definitely didn't do this thing 100% willingly, but, like, I fought it a couple steps of the way, but I believed just enough the things that were coming out of your mouth to, like, maybe think that it could work for me, too. And, like, one of my favorite – I used to have this um, paragraph of the big book. It's in Agnostics, which, by the way, is my favorite chapter um, of the big book. Um, I used to have this paragraph written on this, like, whiteboard uh, in my house for, like, years. And I was just, like, written – I just handwritten it because I loved it so much. And um, it's on page 51. It's in the middle of the paragraph, and it says, when many hundreds of people are able to say that the, most con- that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they present a powerful reason why one should have faith. So like they're saying, when many hundreds of people, like today it's like hundreds of thousands of people, um, are able to say that the, just the consciousness of the presence of God is the most important aspect of their life today, that presents a very pow- powerful reason why I should have faith. If it works for you, it could work for me. I believe because you believe, and that's all I needed at the very beginning, and since then, you know, it's a it's a constant change, like, I'm constantly learning about my relationship with God, how I can make it, you know, stronger, like, how I can be more connected to something bigger than myself, and, um, and I'm also learning how I can be a better person to you, how I can, you know, interact... In the